1: Remember what you said you return that I might live In my Father's house
2: He has provided salvation and there is a judgment. Those lost souls flashed on countless opportunities they had in life that were either neglected or rejected. Listen, folks, if you reject Jesus now, you'll never forget it in hell. The word in hell, the chief word in hell is remember. And you're going to have an all of eternity in torment to remember those opportunities that you never took advantage of.
0: In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind you that there's a reason that salvation is necessary, and it's a reason we often ignore. Have you ever seen a young child do something that they know they shouldn't, but they're little and it's just so cute? Our own sin in our lives can be a bit like that. We can downplay it and pretend it's not a big deal, but in reality, it's these sins that separate us from God. It's these sins that condemn us to an eternity spent away from God. We need to run from our sin. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 as he continues his message, Is Jesus God?
2: Verse 12, But this man, Jesus, also he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and then sat down at the right hand of God. And then verse 14 of the same chapter, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, or those who are uh, set apart. Gang, God's word is unmistakably clear. The only satisfactory payment for sin, was the voluntary sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. Now, go back to our text. Notice there in verse 18, we're told the just for the unjust. Jesus, the just for the unjust. You see, sinful humanity deserved to die, but he, his substitutionary sacrifice, he paid the entire price. You know, in the book of Hebrews, the writer puts it this way. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Do you see that? That he might taste death for everyone. He paid sin's penalty. The just for the unjust. Jesus died for all. You know, John the Baptist put it this way. Remember when John was baptizing people down at the Jordan River and all of a sudden Jesus appears upon the scene. And then he draws everyone's attention to Jesus. And this is the way that he recommends him to them. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The righteous for the unrighteous, the holy for the unholy, the pure for the impure, the shepherd for his sheep, that all might be saved, that all might know God, and secure eternal life. Now go back to verse 18. Notice we are also told, he did this, that he might bring us to God. You see that there in verse 18, that he might bring us to God. You see, because of man's innate sinfulness, out of fellowship with God, God. He made it possible for us to once again come back to God. Luke's gospel in chapter 19 and verse 10 really sums up what his ministry was all about. There we are told, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So that's it. He is the way. And that's why he came. He is God's provision, and there's nothing to be added to it. All we need to do is simply believe and accept it. But someone might say, why should I believe? How can I accept something I don't fully understand or comprehend? Well, it all comes down to faith. Listen, if God is willing to save us by simple faith in Christ's sacrifice upon the cross, dying in our place, we should be willing to believe. So, We must come by faith. You know, there's this story about this businessman, and after a hot and dusty drive, this businessman registered at a hotel in the south. He noticed a drinking fountain with a sign above it, Stoop and Drink. Well, he eagerly stepped to the fountain, anticipating a cool, refreshing drink of water. Upon reaching it, he put out his hand to turn on the water, but found no handle. He looked for a button to press or a foot pedal to step on, but found none. Confused, he tried to reason out the perplexing situation. He was thirsty, and the sign over the fountain plainly said, stoop and drink. Was it a joke, he thought, but then suddenly the meaning of the the sign became clear. He simply bent to the fountain and cool water flowed instantly to his lips. Refreshed, he examined the fountain and discovered a hidden electric eye, so placed that when a certain beam of light was intercepted, a switch was thrown, which opened the faucet and permitted the water to flow. Listen, gang, there is another fountain where men and women are invited to drink in a similar way. It is the fountain of the water of life. Jesus, remember, when addressing the Samaritan woman, at Jacob's well, said this, it's recorded first in John's Gospel, in chapter 4, in verse 14, "...whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life." Now, once again, some refuse to drink from this fountain because they cannot fully comprehend how it works. They don't understand how a person can go from death to life. Then there are others, like this traveler in the story that I just shared with you, who are trying to do something themselves. They're looking for a handle, to turn a button, to press, or some other way, to earn their salvation. Listen, we just need to stoop and drink. By faith, all is ready. There's no reason to be lost. In the book of Romans, in chapter 10, in verse 13, Paul said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, Christ's unique death presents unequivocal evidence that he is God. Now, there are, uh, the second thing that I want to draw your attention to, the second evidence, the second proof that Jesus is God, that is his appearances. So if you're taking notes, write that down. There are his appearances. And I want you to think about the many appearances after Christ's death upon the cross. First of all, he appeared to Mary Magdalene at the very tomb site. Uh, Twice to his disciples in the upper room. Uh, Once with Thomas not present. The second time with Thomas present. Also he appeared to his disciples. Remember the two disciples who were going back home on the road to Emmaus. And then also we are told, according to 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, down on the Galilee, He appeared one time to 500 people. So death was not the end of our Lord. As His enemies had hoped, He rose again upon the third day. Now let's go back to our text. Once again, let's go back to verse 18. Uh, There we are told that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 19, By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited, in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, and which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through uh, water. Now, let's focus in on verse 19 for just a moment. Verse 19, That is, Jesus, we are told here, according to this text, descended into uh, hell. Now, this truth, uh, that is, during the three days, just in case you were wondering, what did Jesus do for those three days before uh, he rose again from the uh, dead? Well, first of all, Jesus descended into hell. Now, this truth is actually affirmed in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, in verses uh, 9 uh, through 10, actually verses 8 through uh, 10. And there we are told, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lowest part of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill the all things. So, first of all, he appeared to those during those three days. He descended uh, into the lower parts of the earth and he appeared to those who had died in faith. That is the Old Testament saints who were detained in a place that Jesus himself referred to as Abraham's bosom. And that record is recorded first in the book of Luke in chapter 16 and verse uh, 23. So, I'm going to ask you to turn there. And I, I want to just read that text. So quickly turn there with me. Luke's Gospel in chapter 16. Let's pick up in verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19. Now there, and Jesus tells this story of the uh, rich man and Lazarus who both had died. So let's pick up now Luke 16, verse 19. Now there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar, whose name was Lazarus, and he was full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And so it was that the beggar died and was buried by the angels, uh, actually was carried by the angels, to Abraham's bosom. There it is. That's the reference to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades or hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. So, what do we learn from this? Well, in the lower parts of the earth at that time there were two different compartments. One was known as Abraham's bosom, and this was a place where those Old Testament saints who died in faith went to and were comforted. But then there was that other place, those who didn't die in faith, they went to a place in torment, and that place was referred to as Hades or uh, hell. It was in the place that Jesus went during those three days and he preached to those who died in faith and offered them the opportunity to embrace Jesus as their Savior and then he led them into heaven into the very presence of God the Father. And that's why we read in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 27 uh, those who received that invitation of Christ Matthew 27, verses 52 and 53. And the graves were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints, notice the saints, the set-apart ones, those who had died in faith, the Old Testament saints, who had fallen asleep, and that's just another way of referring to died, who fell asleep, were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, after the third day, they went into the holy city, Jerusalem, and they appeared to many. So the idea here is that before they actually went into heaven, they thought they would, you know, stop by and greet their loved ones before uh, entering into the very presence of uh, God. So that's what Jesus did. But what about those others who were in that other compartment, that place of torment, tormented in hell's flames? Well, Jesus bore witness to them as well, silencing them forever, and their mocking, their wicked hearts, he verifying what God said throughout the ages is true. There is a God. His laws are not to be violated. He has provided salvation, and there is a judgment. Those lost souls flashed on countless opportunities they had in life that were either neglected or rejected. Listen, folks, if you reject Jesus now, you'll never forget it in hell. The word in hell, the chief word in hell is remember. And you're going to have an all of eternity in torment to remember those opportunities that you never took advantage of in responding and receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. The third indisputable uh, proof, as it refers to, is Jesus God, is his resurrection from the dead. Now, there is a continuous, present realization and manifestation of His resurrection being experienced in new life and power in all who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And that would be you and me. That is that work of God's Holy Spirit working in us and through us, changing us from the inside out, conforming us into the image of God's Son. And if Jesus wasn't God, how would that even be possible? You see, when we receive the living Christ into our hearts as our Savior, the immediate result is new life. Paul said it best. He says, If any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I think this is what Peter had in mind. Go back to our text. Notice there in verse 20 when he says eight souls were saved by water. And I don't believe that Peter here is referring to water uh, baptism. Rather, this is an analogy taken from the days of Noah and building the ark. They were saved by that ark, which was a type of Jesus. You say, how was the ark a type of Jesus? Well, it was God's way of salvation, right? God was going to destroy the Earth and begin all over again. So there was only one way of escape. There was only one way of salvation. Even as there's only one way to escape from our sins today and God's judgment, there's only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through Him. So the Ark in the Old Testament is actually a type of Jesus Christ that was resting upon the water. Notice It is only, according to verse 21, through the baptism, and I believe that's a reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that work of the Holy Spirit within our lives, regenerating us, uh, helping us to become more like uh, Jesus, that we can pass from the old life to the new. That simply is made possible by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the fourth and final proof that Jesus is God is his position. Notice what it says there in verse uh, 20. Let's go back to our text. Who formerly, uh, there in verse 20, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved uh, through uh, water. Uh, There is also an anti-type, uh, which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers, having been made subject uh, to him. So Jesus is that supreme authority. Let me back this up with a couple of uh, cross-references for you. In the 72nd Psalm, in verse 17, his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him uh, blessed. Let me give you another cross-reference from the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things that is the uh, church. Yes, Jesus, Jesus hasn't fully exerted his power by virtue of his position. But gang, one day he will, as he comes once again, his second coming to rule once again upon the earth, and during that time, kings, authorities, powers will kneel humbly before him, acknowledging him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's in that day that every knee shall bow, and every sh- every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Gang, Jesus is God. There is no other God but Him. Listen to what Paul said as reference to this in the book of Colossians, in chapter 1, and verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in context he's referring to Jesus, that in Him should all the fullness dwell. All the fullness of God dwell. Oh, that hopeless, helpless, struggling, sinful mankind would recognize Him, would humble themselves, and experience His mighty power through their being born again. Gang, he's the only way to real life, everlasting life, eternal life. Jesus himself said, I am the way. Let's pray uh, together. Father, we thank you for this message. Father, we thank you for what Jesus uh, did for us, dying in our place upon uh, the cross. Father, we thank you that uh, we also uh, can experience those in a similar way, the appearances of Christ and what he's done for us, the, the going before us, the, the only way that we can explain the way things have happened in our life's experience is by putting Jesus, by putting you uh, behind them. So those various appearances of God through our circumstances. We thank you for the power of the resurrection. Uh, that enabled Jesus to triumph over the grave, that enables us to triumph over uh, sin and self and the world. And we thank you that we have that hope, that we're going to once again come back with Jesus a second time, and he's going to establish his rule and reign upon the earth, and we are going to rule and reign alongside of him. Father, we thank you for these things. Lord, engrave this message upon our hearts. Father, bless now. Father, bless. I pray that this message would uh, just transform us and uh, just encourage us in our walk in our relationship with you.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long
0: That's all we have time for on today's edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to learning more from 1 Peter next time on In My Father's House. Where I love be,
1: oh my heart, not be troubled.